So I have spent, it seems, an incredible amount of time and energy with my kids trying to get them to, to disbelieve in monsters and aliens and things that go bump in the night. I spend so much time on their beds trying to get them to not believe it. No, aliens are not coming to get you. No, monsters are not real. No, I'm pretty sure that trees are not going to fall on our house. None of that seems to work, though. No matter how much evidence I lay out to them and saying, those things are not real, they don't believe me, and they stay up and they're scared and they try to sleep in our bed. And so this is what I've been doing. Maybe you're not going to think I'm the greatest parent in the world for doing this, but I have, I have started to tell them the truth where I can, not all of it, but some of it. And I tell them, yeah, this world is not perfect. Bad things do happen. Evil things do exist. But then very quickly uh, up against that, I say, that is all okay. Because God is for you. And God is bigger and stronger and better than anything that tries and can try to get you. And then we pray together. We pray for God's protection. And usually they fall asleep. Everyone prays, it seems. Everyone prays. Even those who are not sure that God exists or even in what form, they cling to the idea that prayer does something. That it's at some level powerful. I just talked to someone recently who was, she's unsure about the claims of Christianity, but then she said, but I very much believe in the power of prayer. If you see the studies, even the, the nuns, the people who don't really believe in much at all, yet they, some of them pray daily. Almost 35% of those same people pray daily. How many people pray once a week or once a month when things get really bad? Most people, it seems, pray. Now that could just be wishful thinking. We're at the bottom of a well When we're at the end of our rope and all is lost, we want to believe, we need to believe that there is something that can help us, something with power. Maybe that's wishful thinking. I hope that there's something out there that can save me. Or it could be like eating. We long to eat because food exists. Maybe we pray because there is a power that exists, that is necessary for our protection, for our thriving and surviving. Now that, of course, is the all-in of the Bible. That is the position of the Bible. Prayer is vital. It is necessary. While aliens and monsters may not be real, there does exist, the Bible says, a spiritual evil that we need protection from, an evil that we cannot combat on our own. And I just ask you this morning, do you have that protection? Have you laid hold in prayer what is available to you? That is our question this morning. And we are going to be looking at that with three points this morning. And I'm going to have you do these for me. This is not working today. My technology is not working today. Yay, technology. Okay, the first one. Why pray? For your protection. For the protection of others and for the protection of the gospel. Okay, let's do the first one. Why pray for our protection? For our protection. So Paul loves to pray, right? He loves to pray. 
Ephesians itself has some of the most beautiful, amazing prayers that we have as a Christian people. So Paul prays first in in chapter 1 that we would know the hope to which we have been called. You can see it here. Ephesians 1. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. Prayer is meant to give us hope. It's meant to give us hope. Later, he would pray in chapter 3 that we would be strengthened as we are filled with the knowledge of the love of God. So here's chapter 3. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So prayer is meant to wed our hearts to this reality that God is a good God and loving Father, and He is totally, infinitely loving and for us. We might say then that prayer is tapping into something. That's how Paul is praying. He is tapping into something, into the great resources of God. He is like a giant aquifer just beneath the surface of a land ready for tapping into by a needy and thirsty and hungry people. All we got to do is dig down. All we need to do is drill down. Simply communicating with God provides us strength and fullness and joy. It provides us, I would argue, what we need to thrive. Now, this is what I do with my wife. It's very similar to what I do with my wife. When I'm having an awful day, when I'm discouraged, happens often, I will call her in my distress and my pain. I'm, I'm longing for her to pick up the phone. I dial her number. I hit her on speed dial. And I'm hoping that she picks up. Sometimes she doesn't, and it's discouraging. But then she does, and just hearing her voice, having her listen to my complaint, having her offer to me a simple simple condolence or prayer, it is a healing. It is a balm. Paul is essentially saying, how much more with the Lord? In our pain, in our distress, when we feel unloved, unsuccessful, In those times when we are stressed beyond belief, we all experience anxiety. When we are physically or even emotionally unsafe, we can reach out to the Father. We can drill down into Him and He is always there, always waiting, never shifting or changing, always loving. And He is there to shelter you and answer you and strengthen you. This is the promise of the Lord when we pray that as we, we will thrive as we commune with Him, which makes, I would say, prayer indispensable. It makes prayer an absolute necessity, vital necessity in this life, but perhaps more even than we usually realize. Yes, we say, yeah, we need to pray. Yeah, we need to commune with God so I can have a better life. And yet Paul ends this book, he's almost at the end, he ends this this section of the armor of God saying that we do not pray just to thrive, but to survive. But to survive. We've been talking for the last two weeks about the spiritual attacks 
of the evil one. We are in war, in a war against those who are spiritually evil. They are not flesh and blood. They are just beyond in the heavenly realms, and yet they are always there trying to get us led by the devil himself. And so Paul asks us to put on all sorts of spiritual armor, right? Helmets and swords and shoes and breastplates in the forms of righteousness, truth, salvation, and the word. But then he caps it all off. He doesn't even really stop the sentence. He caps it all off by saying that this will actually not be enough. We need God to come and empower us inside of our armor. So verse 17, Ephesians 6, 17, it's up here. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all supplication, prayer and supplication, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Again, he goes from verse 17 to 18. He doesn't even stop. Helmet, sword, praying. Praying. In order for the shield and the belt and the breastplate of righteousness to work, you need to pray. You need to pray. So a couple of years ago, the men went to man camp, and they have since discontinued flag football, at least as far as I know, because too many guys were getting hurt. A bunch of old people who think they're Tom Brady trying to play football. I was one of them, and it was a mistake a couple of years ago, because I, for some reason, one of these plays was tasked to be the offensive line, the one guy in the middle between the defense and the quarterback. If you don't know football, I barely do. Now, that was a mistake because I'm not the most athletic guy or strong or heavy guy. But the main problem was that the guy lined up on the other side of me, the one who was trying to get the quarterback, was huge, huge. And he had played football in college. The ball was hiked, and I'm not kidding, in a matter of seconds. I did not see it coming, but I was flying. Flying. I have not flown like that since I was a kid. Listen, I was in position. I was standing my ground. I was going to do this. I, could, I was going to do what I was supposed to do. And it did not matter. I flew through the air like a firework. Paul says in verse 18 that we should be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That is a lot of alls. Armor, in other words, is not enough. Just standing there and what we have is not enough. We need the very Spirit of God to cover us and enliven us and empower us. He is the one who fortifies and gives strength. Without Him, the devil will launch us. But with the Lord, we will launch the devil. The most important principle of prayer is this, is that it is dependence, dependence. You cannot do this life on your own. You cannot face your demons, your struggles, your very life without the unmitigated power of God. But when we pray, when we depend on him, we have or we are given this unbelievable protection and empowering. We're going to sing a mighty fortress is our God at the end of this Service and it goes this way. One of the lines goes this this way. 
The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. But that is not because we are strong. We are weak. And yet when we pray, he says he comes to us and he protects us, he covers us, he empowers us. And a simple word from us befalls the devil, makes the devil to fall. Okay, so how do we pray? How should we do it? He gives all these things that are great. How do we protect ourselves? First, he says that we should pray in the Spirit. Do you see that there? there? Pray in the Spirit. And so that means pretty much what we've been saying, that God protects us by His Spirit. He covers us, energizes us. He permeates us. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us. We are weak. He is strong, and He helps us. So He helps us in our weakness. He protects us, but He also guides us. This is very important. When our lives are covered by a dense fog, when we cannot see two feet in front of us, maybe it's a decision that we have to make. Maybe it's something that we are tempted in. What are we supposed to do, Lord? We are to go by the Spirit's leading and direction. My dad said that when I was, he was teaching me how to drive, if you ever catch yourself, if you're ever caught in a really dense fog on the freeway, find a semi-truck. Find a semi-truck to get behind. And he showed me, did it one time. We went right up behind this thing so we could see it. But we knew that if that semi-truck stopped, we would be able to stop in time because it stops so slowly. The Spirit is kind of like a semi-truck. We follow Him in our blindness. And we are told that He will help us in all ways. He will even give us the words that we need when we are being accosted and persecuted. So Jesus told, this as, told us this in Luke 12, 12. Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. We should pray in the Spirit. We should also pray using all of the prayers, all of the prayers. So Paul says to be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. We don't have enough prayers today. At least we don't think about all the ways that we pray today. At the time, they had all these things that they would pray, all these different ways. And we try to do them here on a Sunday morning. We try to do them throughout the life of Grace Point. So here are some. We're going to be flipping through these quickly. Prayers of adoration, where we pray, proclaim who God is. Prayers of confession. We do that every Sunday, where we reveal before the Lord the ways that we have sinned. Prayers of supplication. You are praying for God to answer your very specific request. He says to ask. So we must. Prayers of thanksgiving. Where you bask in the glory that is your salvation and all the things that God has provided to you. Prayers for help. You ask the Lord for protection. Lord, help me in this situation. Prayers of lament. Where you pray to him your deep and dark sadness. The Lord hears them all. In this way, prayer really is the only thing that reflects the entirety of our condition, of our person. Pray in all the ways. Last thing, pray with perseverance. Pray with perseverance. He says, to that end, keep alert with 
all perseverance. And I have to think that Paul is talking about those disciples, those first disciples who were in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. They had to have felt the oppression, the spiritual oppression. The physical attacks were increasing. They were in the middle of Jerusalem where Rome could have come down on them. They must have been terrified. They must have known that things were really bad. And then Jesus confirms it. Yes, things are really bad. He says to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And what do they do? They fall asleep. Brothers and sisters, soldiers do not fall asleep. We do not let up. When they finally awoke, he was gracious. He didn't abandon them. He said, listen, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Paul says the same thing. Keep alert with all perseverance. May we not let the world get to us. I know we all have daily lives that We live out, we are trying to do to the best of our ability. May we not let those things be our only reality. May we raise our vision. May we persevere in prayer. May we persevere in prayer. Even when we don't want to. May we persevere even when we don't want to. I learned this a long time from a mentor. Pray even when you don't want to. But They don't have to be these amazingly beautiful, long prayers. Sometimes just pray whatever is on your heart. I keep a prayer journal now. A lot of my prayers are simply this. I'll just come in, I'll just, I put it on my computer and I say, Lord, help. That's it. Lord, I feel so far from you. Help me. Father, I am so attacked right now. I feel so unsuccessful. I feel so many different things. I need your love. I need to understand your grace. Be near. Friends, pray for your own protection. Okay, point number two. Why should you pray? Why should you pray? To protect others. To protect others. So verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Okay, so prayer is not just for yourself. It is also for others. All the things that we just said should not just be for you, but should be for the saints, for the Christians in your life, your brothers and sisters in Jesus. So we, pr- we pray for each other for protection, for perseverance. We pray so that we will not fall into temptation. Especially when we know that our brother or sister can't pray, when they just can't do it, we pray for them. That's called intercession. We join in, we intercede for them on their behalf. We speak to the Lord, oh Lord, would you heal them, help them, protect them. Now I'm going to give you two other reasons why I think that prayer is so important in the church. The first reason is that prayer unites us together. It unites us together in the gospel. So my family, I think I mentioned this, visited the Air and Space Museum outside of Washington, D.C., the one near Dulles. It is so awesome. And there's my daughter there. And what is so cool about this place is it has a space shuttle. Now, some people don't think that the space shuttle ever went anywhere. They just think it's a, a fake thing, right? It never actually went into outer space. I don't think that. I think it did. I really do. 
Most people did. Would you go to the next picture? You can see it, you can see it better there. It is way bigger than I anticipated it to be. It is so amazing. Now, when you get up close, maybe you knew this. I didn't. It has this heat shield, right? You know about the heat shield. When it is coming back into the atmosphere, when it is decelerating into the atmosphere, it, it picks up a tremendous amount of heat, some 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And so that shield needs to be strong. What I did not know is that shield is not one piece. You can see it. It's tiny. It's a, it's a, it's a, a hundred. It's a thousand. It's 10,000 little pieces, all with their own little serial numbers put in place perfectly together. Each one is vital to the mission to keep the astronauts alive. I like to think that that is what the church is like. We know that Ephesians 4 says that, it's Ephesians 4 too, it's been a long series, says that Paul says that we are being built together as a temple, block on top of block, united in the gospel of Christ, united in the fight against the devils of this world. And he says to maximize this resistance, to maximize our perseverance, we pray. We pray for each other. We pray for each other and we grow with each other. We bind together. We stand together. Prayer puts us together. It is a heat shield. Here's a second reason for prayer. It's essential and I think it's related to this. When we pray for each other, we are able to overcome conflict much easier. We overcome conflict when we pray. One of the greatest threats to the stability and strength of a church is internal division and infighting. You know this. When we fight with each other and we stay unreconciled, we open ourselves to spiritual attack. Paul was very clear. He wanted everyone to agree in the Lord because he knew knew what would happen if people were not united together. We're in conflict with each other. We're unreconciled. So he tells us to pray for each other, not when everything is great, not when everything is hunky-dory, but also pray when you are in conflict, when you are divided. When you pray for the person that you are in conflict with, 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 what often happens is that you are humbled as you pray for them. Your heart is melted. Your spirit is humbled. And friends, that is the ground in which reconciliation grows. Maybe that unreconciliation is in your own marriage. Start with prayer. Friends, pray for one another. Pray through our directory. Pray for those who are sick and hurting. Pray for those who are struggling. Let's become together a pray-on-the-spot people. Here's what I mean. We know what we like to say in the Christian world, oh, I'll pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And some of us do. We might actually do it. Most of us don't. It's a way to end a conversation. How about you end a conversation by saying, can I pray for you right now? And then do it. Friends, pray for the protection of others for the saints. Last point this morning. We pray for the protection of the gospel. We pray for the protection of the gospel. Look at verse 19, Ephesians 6, 19. And he basically says, And pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So let's take that literally. Pray for your leaders. 
Pray for me. Pray for the elders. We need your and we covet your prayers. We cannot do this on our own. Please pray for us. But let's extend this out a little bit. Let's apply it to our own lives. Prayer, you could say, really has only two purposes. One, to commune with God so that we will be strengthened. We commune with God so we'll be strengthened. We pray for others to commune with God so they will be strengthened to endure to the end where we will finally be reunited with God in joy. That's the first real reason for prayer. On earth, we pray to Him to be strengthened so that we can endure and stand and make it to the end where we will be reunited with Him and we talk to Him directly. Here's the second thing. We pray to give us clarity and courage to tell others they can have the same thing. That is Paul's point. Pray for me that I may be bold, courageous, clear with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's essentially saying that you should pray for the protection of the good news. We must pray that for ourselves, for our church. We must pray that we will not fail or falter to bring the good news to the people of this world. Okay, so let's say we pray for clarity. We pray for clarity with the gospel. That's really what Paul means when he says boldly. That's where the Greek words. Boldly, not just that I say it, but that I say it in a way that people can understand it. You are asking the Spirit for the right words to say. Every person and situation is different. It will require different methods, different truths to be enhanced, even different styles and emotions. So pray for clarity. Pray that whoever you're sitting with, you would make the gospel crystal clear. Only the Spirit can help you do that. Second, pray for courage. Pray for courage. I want to be incredibly clear right now. To evangelize is to use your words to tell people the good news of Jesus. So to evangelize is not just to live out your faith, to live in light of the gospel, though that's very important. What Paul is talking about is speaking the words of the good news. So when the Spirit took Philip, he swept him up and he took him to the Ethiopian eunuch. It says that Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, which was referring to Isaiah 53, told him the good news about Jesus. He used his words. That is evangelism. The truth of the gospel. One way to say it is God, man, Christ, response. It is not just living out the gospel that is important. It is saying it. And listen, you know this as well as I do. This is hard. It is never easy. And often it doesn't go well. Just like I told my kids, there are things that go bump in the night. Friends, I'm going to tell you the truth. It does not often go well when you speak the words of the gospel. There are always unforeseen circumstances, consequences, and sometimes those things are bad. And so you must have the Spirit. And I would say, don't wait for it to get easy. It's never going to get easy. Instead, rely on the Spirit of God to give you courage and then to use your efforts, however feeble and weak. We pray for clarity. We pray for courage. And this last one that's connected to these two, pray that we can bring the gospel in every 
circumstance, no matter how small or challenging. So something that we have not talked a whole lot about is that Paul was writing this letter from where? From prison. From prison. Not white-collar prison. Brutal, cold, merciless Roman prison. Now, he could have prayed anything. He could have prayed anything. He could have prayed for them to get him out of there. End this terrible injustice. Pray that I can get out because I can't live this way any longer. Pray for me to get out because I need to be preaching to the masses, not a few lowly criminals. Is that what he says? He prays the opposite. Verse 19, And pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. His highest priority is that anyone who he has been sent to would receive the good news, that hearts and minds would receive the good news of Jesus Christ. That is his overarching primary concern. He knew that to preach the gospel, though, he knew that he doing it was so dangerous. In a Roman prison, he would have received beating after beating. And yet he did it anyway. Give me the clarity and the strength and the courage to preach the gospel. Friends, do we have the same passion? Lord, I will speak your gospel no matter where you send me. Lord, I will tell people the good news in every and every, any and every circumstance. Richard Wormbrand uh, spent over a decade in a communist prison in Romania. And he was sent there for spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet, this did not deter him from what he did. Nothing would deter him from telling people about this wonderful Savior that he had. Later in his life, he would often take his shoes off before he would speak. And it's because his feet hurt desperately. His shoes hurt him. And they hurt him for one reason. He made a a deal with his guards that he would preach the gospel to his fellow inmates. At the end of the day, they would take him and they would beat his feet every day. And yet Richard did it with great joy. He writes this, We are here, many who believe in Christ as our personal Savior. More than half of the prisoners are believers. We have among us great singers and good preachers of the gospel. In the evening, when we all gather for heavy work, after heavy work, how wonderful it is to pass at least some time together in prayer at the feet of our Savior. With Christ, there is freedom everywhere. There is freedom everywhere. No matter where you are, no matter how challenging your circumstance no matter what the consequence could be that would befall you, pray that the Spirit will lead you to tell others of the thing that you have found, the hope, the gift, the freedom, the love that you have found in Jesus. So even though Jesus was with his disciples and they fell asleep, Jesus did not. He stayed awake and he communed with his Father. And he prayed the prayer that would save us and would eventually kill the devil. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, 
not as I will, but as you will. Friends, Jesus accepted the responsibility to die for us. The final prayer of him to his father led him to give up his life so that we could pray, so that we could stand, so we could tell the good news and rejoice. Always remember that Jesus is your ultimate warrior, that he is your ultimate protector. The second verse of A Mighty Fortress goes this way. Did we in our own strength confide? Our own striving would be losing. Don't confide in your own strength. Then you're going to lose. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us now? We always say we want to be better at praying. May you make it so. Give us the time. Give us the energy. Give us the words to tap into your amazing resource. Your resource is might and love and joy. God, I pray that for each person here, and I pray that as our prayers go up to you, that you would do your fabulous, amazing work in this world. God, we know that there are many people in in New England who do not know the good news of Jesus Christ. They do not know why they pray. They do not know who they pray to. They do not know why their prayers are often powerful. Bring them the light of your truth this, this holiday season. Bring them the light of this truth as they come on Christmas Eve, as they celebrate on Christmas. God, we pray that you would be mighty, that you would be bold, that you would be a help to us in our struggles. God, this life is not easy, and yet you are the loving, supreme, and mighty God, and you have promised yourself to us in this man you have chosen, Jesus Christ. We ask all of this in his name. Amen.